This has actually turned out to be part two from uh, this morning's talk. Um, so if you heard this morning's talk, then um, uh, don't worry, you're not going to get a repeat, although some flavours of it have got some common threads, as you will see. I mean, it is Pentecost after all, so we're on a bit of a theme. Um, uh, but if you, if you didn't listen to this morning, then can I encourage you, um, when, when the office put it up online, um, usually kind of late Monday or Tuesday, um, that you, that you go and have a listen, um, cause it'll help you to make sense of this. And, um, part of, uh, what I want to take you through is just a headline about what I talked about this morning, so we can have, if we can have the slides up. What I focused on this morning was essentially, when was the last time you had a really good drink of the Holy Spirit? And that this needed to be a daily thing. There was no, we can't get through a day without drinking deeply of the Holy Spirit. And that however much you've experienced of Him, He's got more for you. And it's not a question of him needing to do a new thing. It's simply a question of us positioning ourselves to receive what he is already doing. So what we're going to dig into now is positioning ourselves uh, in order to receive. And uh, those of you that have read the slide will see that I'm not preaching on the passage I said I was going to. I changed it. I suppose I'm, I'm the vicar. I can do that. Um, So Acts chapter 1, starting to read at verse 1, is on page 1031. I encourage you to find it. We're going to take a couple of things out of this, uh, and then we're going to pray, because that seems like a good idea. So we'll do that. Um, If ever you were to write a book, by the way, this would be how you'd open it, wouldn't it? In my former book, Theophilus. It's on page 1031. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach up until the day he was taken up to heaven, after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave them many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God on one occasion while he was eating with them. I love the fact that he was still eating with them. He gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father has promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered round him and asked him, Lord, at this time, are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said, it's not for you to know the dates or the times. It's it's encouraging, isn't it, that at this point they're still confused. Um, Kind of gives us hope, really. Um, it's not for you to know the dates or the times the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And there's a few more verses as well, but I'll leave you to read those by yourselves. Um, This is the bit just before Pentecost just before this historic day that we're commemorating today, which, as I talked about this morning, is really not all about history at all. It's about a present reality, the present outpouring of the Holy Spirit. They are living at this point where they're living in the promise 
but they have not yet seen the fulfillment. But you and I live in a season where the fulfillment of that has already happened. Pentecost has already happened. It is not lined up with the church's year. God is not waiting for the annual celebration in the Church of England and the Orthodox Church for Pentecost to come around just so he can do something. Just in case you were wondering. That's not how it works. Let me draw out for you just a few things from this passage that I think help us to position ourselves to receive what he is already doing so that we can join in, so that we can receive more of what he's got for us. Uh, The first one is this, that we are supposed to obey. Um, If you want to receive what God has got for you in terms of more of the Holy Spirit, can I suggest that you are in the place where you are supposed to be? So mine and Meg's great plan at the beginning of 2017 was to stay in Torquay for another 10 years. Uh, we'd made very clear plans about this. I went and saw my boss, the Archdeacon. I told him uh, we sold some stuff in preparation for staying for the long term. and You know, all sorts of stuff we did. We were getting organized, getting ready for the next 10 years. And then the Holy Spirit went, uh, excuse me, uh, all saints in Bath, over there, please. And it was like, oh, Okay, we better go there. My my suggestion is this. If you want to receive what God has got for you, get into the place where he's told you to be. Because he's not going to give you what he's got for you in its fullness if you are sitting somewhere else. If you are Jonah and God has told you to go to Nineveh, you better get to Nineveh. Stay. In the city. Do not leave Jerusalem. Do not leave Jerusalem. You can see this in Luke chapter 4 where Jesus, the Holy Spirit has already descended on him, but the Holy Spirit leads him out into the wilderness. The Holy Spirit leads him out into the wilderness. That's the place where he's tempted. The Holy Spirit takes him out into that place. And it says at the beginning of Luke chapter 4 that he is, that Jesus is full of the Holy Spirit. He goes to the place where the Holy Spirit leads him and when he returns, Luke chapter 4 verse 14, he returns to Galilee in the power of the Holy Spirit. Something is different. And part of what has made it possible is he went where he was supposed to be. So if God tells you to do something, especially if it's about location, you better do it. Otherwise, you're going to be waiting around a long time for the Holy Spirit to do the next thing. Because he's going to be going, do you know what? I know you're asking for me to do more, but I've already told you I'm going to do more. And it's over here. So if you want to get more of what I've got for you, you better get to where I'm doing it. Not where... You want it to happen. I mean, the Holy Spirit's always going to be with you. But if you want the fullness of what he's got for you, you better be standing where he wants you to stand. The next thing is to wait. You see, they were were waiting for the first Pentecost. They were waiting for that original outpouring of the Holy Spirit on all people. But, you know, we don't need to wait for Pentecost, because it's already happened. 
God has not turned off the tap. And you know, we might, we might see God doing new things. We might see, uh, the expression, the outworking of what God does in different places and in different ages. We might see that happening. But you know, folks, the tap has never been turned off. So live like it hasn't been turned off. Which means that our quality of waiting is very different. It is waiting upon Him to renew our strength. It is waiting upon Him to be attentive. Because He longs to give us His good gifts. The quality of waiting is different. It's not a waiting for Him to move. It's watching to see how He's moving. Waiting attentively upon the King. The next one, and I picked all these out of, uh, so that was verse uh, 4, then uh, end of verse 5. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Folks, if you want to receive more of the Holy Spirit, you better be ready to go through baptism. And for some of you, that might be actual baptism in water and if you've not done that uh, we are planning some baptisms for the beginning of next term uh, it looks like they're going to be happening in the morning service um, if, if, if bottom line if you've not been baptized get involved okay I'm, I'm looking gently at, at some folks okay but there may be others okay um, get involved come and join in surrender to this you know what baptism means it means to utterly surrender. The word is, is the same word as a ship that is being sunk. It is completely overwhelmed with water. Completely filled to every space. You know, the Holy Spirit doesn't move in any other way other than baptism. It's like, you want more? Yeah, great. Here you go. Here's the options. You can either have, like, just the minimal Bunsen burner version, okay? The pilot light is on if you're a follower of Jesus. Everyone included. Or you can have baptism. That requires total and utter surrender from you. Immersed in the water completely. I mean, he'll work with you, with whatever you give him. But this is, this is the way that he loves to work. The baptism of the Holy Spirit. This next one is a, is a tough one. Jesus says in verse 8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. This is worth digging into just a little bit in in, in John chapter 14, where Jesus is talking about, uh, the Holy, about sending the Holy Spirit, there's this, there's this kind of really, um, this, this kind of backwards and forwards between Jesus saying, uh, I'm gonna send the Holy Spirit, or, or rather, I'm gonna ask the Father to send the Holy Spirit, and then the Father will send the Holy Spirit. But then there's this whole other thing about Jesus saying that I'm in the Father and the Father is in me, and then Jesus says that, 
the Holy Spirit is called the Spirit of Truth, but he also describes himself as the way, the truth, and the life. So there's this like whole thing of going, of us kind of looking at Jesus going, okay, great, I get it. You are a human being who is fully God. And he goes, yes, and I'm also the Father. And the Father, and it's like, wow. And you, in the moment you think you've kind of got him nailed, he goes, yep. The, I mean, you know, if, if you want to do a little bit of really huge Christian thinking and theology, this is why the creeds in the East and the West are different. Does the Holy Spirit proceed from the Father... Or does the Holy Spirit proceed from the Father and the Son? And it's all tied up in these kind of passages where, where it's kind of like, ah, oh, have we made sense yet? Uh, yes, we have. Oh, no, we haven't. Uh, and that's okay. But the important bit is that we need to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Verse 27 of John chapter 14, Jesus says, My peace I give to you. A gift is something to be received. But this is the tough bit. In John chapter 20, where Jesus appears to his disciples, he says to them, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. And he breathes on them and he says, receive the Holy Spirit. That's the nice, comfortable bit. And then the bit that comes after. If you forgive anyone their sins, their not for, they're forgiven. If you don't forgive them, they're not forgiven. There's this thing about receiving and forgiveness that's deeply connected. We're supposed to be people who forgive. If you're holding on to stuff, it's really difficult to receive. Folks, if you've come with stuff tonight, against other people against God even I mean he's right and you're not but you still might carry stuff against him today's the day to let it down let it down let it go come with empty hands and receive what he's got for you he breathed on them and said receive the Holy Spirit this is what he longs to do coming into land and then we're going to pray. What do you do in the gap while you're waiting for more? I think, I think you do what, what we've been told to do. You see, you do what the disciples did. They, they, they kept on meeting together. Folks, you can't do the Christian faith apart from other Christians. I mean, you can keep going for a bit, but I bet your bottom dollar, if you track yourself in five years' time, you'll be lukewarm by the time you get down that road. It's difficult to do it alone. That early church, as they were waiting in between Acts chapter 1 and Acts chapter 2, they met together. They prayed constantly. Always open. You know, to pray constantly... I don't know how you sleep at night. I'll tell you how I get to sleep. My poor children. There's, I, 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 I pray with my hands. And I pray as I'm going to sleep. And 
and Meg is this digit, and Charlie's this digit, and Emily's this digit, Tom's this digit. Very occasionally I'll kind of get all the way down here. But Matt and Tom, you know, sorry guys, sometimes I have to start the other way around because I've often... You know, to pray constantly is not necessarily to be, you know, having gone to a prayer meeting, although those are really important. But it's to be open to what God is doing right now. In that moment, in the half awake, in the half asleep, at work, on the train. Pray constantly. The next thing is, and if you, if you need to call me on this one, you can. I'll, I'll chuck about ten verses at you. Accept that Jesus is God. Okay? If you're, you know, if you're waiting for more of the Holy Spirit and you're struggling with that, meet with other, other Christians, pray constantly, but just, just deal with it. Jesus is God. Okay? And if you haven't got that one reconciled in your head yet, you need to get it landed. It is the key question. Next one. What do you do in the gap while you're waiting for more? Don't panic. <laughs> you know, I, I remember when, when the Toronto Blessing stuff uh, landed in the church that we were in in London. It's a weird thing to call it, isn't it? Because God's always on the move. But they, these things get a name. You know, and everyone else was kind of receiving what... And I was like, no, nothing's happening! <laughs> I keep on going at the front. I keep on getting prayed for. Nothing is occurring here. Don't panic. You know, God's good. He loves you. You're his child. It is going to be okay. And if you're a follower of Jesus, if you decided that he is God, you've asked him to forgive your sins, this job done. Okay? You have the Holy Spirit in you already. It's simply a question of, he's just going to turn up the gas at some point. And he will. So don't panic. Get your eyes off the gift and get them back on the giver. Do the ordinary things. Those five habits of following the way that we talked about. Pray. Read your Bible. If you don't know what to read, read Romans 8 every day with me. Okay? That's what I'm back on at the moment. Romans chapter 8. You know the extraordinary thing that jumped out at me recently was uh, Romans 8 verse 10 the spirit lives in us this is the New Living Translation approximately the spirit lives in us because we have been made right with God God does the work makes us right with him he makes us righteous so that he can come and live in us He's, he's done it and he's doing it and it's awesome Read the Bible. Immerse yourself in Scripture. Join a small group of some sort. I'm not too fussed what it is. There's a load of home groups here. There's a load of prayer triplets. But be in something small. Because do you know what? If you're really annoyed with all the other Christians on the planet, the problem might be you. Just saying. Okay? And the way that you work that through is in a small group. Okay? Because then you figure out that actually some other people have got some things to say and you learn from one another. All right, and God speaks through other people. So if you're wound up with everyone else, get yourself into the most annoying small group that you can find. Okay? And stay there. Okay? 
and let them speak to you. Let them speak life and you'll be speaking life to them too. And you might have to, you know, eat fish and chips together to get all the chips off your shoulders or whatever it might mean to be. I don't know. Anyway, so that's bad. Move on. Uh, commit to coming to a service. Okay, I'm not too fussed which one it is, all right? But come to one service. It's not that you shouldn't visit the other ones, but if you come regularly, what happens is you, bunch into, you bump into a bunch of other people, you get to know their faces, and, and then when you're not there or when you're feeling glum and sad or ecstatic and happy, they go, oh, where was, where was, where was, you know, that person that sits three rows back that never speaks? Where, where were they? And they miss you. Okay? Give. Not just finances, but live generously towards other human beings. You have got something to offer the world. God has made you like that. Last thing is this. When we receive the Holy Spirit, the fullness of what He's got for us, everything changes. You know, if you've never, if you've never experienced the Holy Spirit, tonight, tonight's the night, folks. And and if it's not the night, well, don't panic, because there'll be another night, (laughs) and God's good anyway. But maybe tonight's the night, because once you've, once you've had this encounter with Him, that is much more than just an intellectual choice. Everything changes you become hungry for more of him I wrote a little piece this week about how the bread of the presence makes us hungry for more of God do read that if you, if you get the chance when you are drenched in the Holy Spirit it should be that people bump into you and go what, what's happening with you? How come? Why, why are you? Why are you drenched? What? Why are you dripping? Why are you leaving puddles of the Holy Spirit? You know, they might, they won't have those words. I mean, it's a metaphor. Um, it's like, what, what happened to you? And you'll have to explain. If you look at Acts, it's full of God doing something, the Holy Spirit being on the move, and then the disciples, the followers, having to explain what happened, having to explain the gospel. Folks, we need some more of that. And as you, as you become drenched, filled afresh with the Holy Spirit, what you'll do is you'll go and transform the world around you. It was never about getting folks into heaven. It was never just about a moment of decision. It's always been about following for a lifetime. Why? Because God wants to turn this place upside down so that it is His kingdom everywhere. And He wants you to participate with it.